Welcome to Clear the Clutter. My name is Margaret, and this podcast is where I give you practical and spiritual advice to get your time back so you can finally spend it how you really want. Hey loves, welcome to Clear the Clutter podcast. Today we're going to talk about detaching our ego from things we can't control, episode number 65. So if this is your 65th episode with me or your first, you know that I'm going to have, actually you don't know, but that's okay. I'm going to have examples for us to dive into so that the topic is relevant and makes sense so we can figure out how to apply it to your life. And of course, if you want to dive deeper into any of today's episodes, you can grab the companion journal prompts. It's over at margaretstevens.co slash shop, or you can click the link in the show notes. So let's go ahead and dive into this one. Tonight's episode came to me with a bunch of struggle. So I've been honest that normally I record episodes late at night. It's for the most part when the puppies are nice and calm, except for like tonight, um, because they're not calm tonight. Um, But normally I feel like I'm living the episode before I even record the episode. And earlier tonight I was thinking, I'm like, okay, what am I going to record? What am I going to record? And... I was circling around a very specific problem and Ben was like, oh, you should just talk about like work-life balance. I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't feel like it's the root of the problem. You know me, if one thing I'm going to teach is going to be a timeless principle. So the thing that I had realized was what was causing my problem wasn't the problem itself, wasn't even how I was reacting to the problem because again, I was just kind of processing the emotions and all that, right? Um... But it was the fact of where my ego was in relation to the problem. So let me get a little bit more clear so it doesn't feel all wooey, right? Because, you know, I love me some woo, but I also love me some practical. So your ego is something that is where it's a very slippery slope. Let's put it that way. So your ego can sometimes be a point of pride. Your ego can be your reputation. Your ego can be all of these things that we turn it into. And I think that our ego has a very healthy spot. I think that there are things we should be super passionate about. We should be uh, almost obsessive over in regards to like ownership of that thing. But it's very easy for us to find an area in our life where we have no control And our ego is just trying to be the savior and it attaches itself to that thing we cannot control. So let me give you a very clear example. So not necessarily right this moment, but previously I have totally felt that there were jobs where I felt like this little leaf blowing in the wind and it was the most frustrating and powerless times in my life when I felt like a a job had utter and complete control over me. I felt like I had nothing. I had, I had no way to influence the job. I had no way to control the job. I had no way to guarantee that I would have a job. It felt very scary. So what did I do? Unconsciously, I would go ahead and start becoming very obsessive about the job. I would start saying, well, this is my blank and this is my blank and I have to do blank this way. And why is no one following my blank, 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 blank here? Because this is mine and it, and it reflects on me. And this is a, this is a deep, you know, deep projection of me and who I am. When in reality, I was put, I was put in an environment, unfortunately, because again, it was a job. So it's not like I could be like, Oh, I just choose not to go to a job. I had to make money. I had to pay bills. So like I was putting myself in a reality 
where I had no control. I couldn't control how our customers came in. I couldn't control how my coworkers interacted with me. I couldn't control how outside forces influenced all of this. I had no control over any of it. But it was such a big part of my day, aka, you know, it's a job, that I ended up subconsciously, because it was never, it's never been conscious. Every time I've slipped into the ego, um, it's never been a conscious slip. It's always, you know, a little bit of creep, a little bit of creep, a little bit of creep. And then boom, I wake up and I'm like, oh, my ego is running the show again. Mm, time to check it. So instead of recognizing that the job is the job, it is what it is. It's okay to have moments of frustration. It's okay to have moments of powerlessness. But at the end of the day, it's just a job. You will have a million different jobs between now and the day you die. And jobs are just a portion of your life. They're not your whole life, right? If using this very particular example in regards to your ego. So instead of looking at it in that sense, I, I would become so obsessive and possessive. I would be like, this is my thing. I am responsible for it. I'm going to die on this hill. It, ben loves to use the phrase, you know what, when I kind of get out of sync and out of balance that like I'm willing to die on the dumbest hills. And that is a trigger that you're starting to become out of balance. So if you're starting to think of something where you are clinging onto it so obsessively that you're like, Oh, this, this, this might be a little unhealthy. Um, don't worry. You're clearly not alone. A lot of the time that is in, that is in reaction to fear, right? So the reason why I was clinging on to those jobs so hard, the reason why I was trying to cling on to one ounce of control and what felt like a job that had no control was because I had this fear that if I lose this job, I'll never make money again. And majority of the time, the fears are completely irrational, right? So I've always been very honest about how I'm consciously, consistently reprogramming my brain to call out what's clearly a lie and to start focusing on what I want the truth to be, what I'm willing to do, how I'm willing to show up and do my part, because those are the things I can control. So when you start to feel into this, this fear, this anxiety, this ego driven clutchiness of just like, it's like the, oh God, some of you will know this, um, the Hobbit, right? So in the Hobbit, you've got the little gremlin dude, and I know I'm butchering this one, but no, the golem, you've got the golem dude, right? And he is all about that stupid ring. That is your ego out of balance. That is your ego out of whack. So that's what I'm picturing when I'm thinking of your ego. And it is just obsessing and trying to hold on to something that it just can't even control. How he was so obsessed about the ring is what I'm trying to get my point across to you. Like your ego is doing that in the background. And of course, it's helping influence how you react to other things. So if that is, you know, if, if it's your spouse saying you're dying on the dumbest hills known to man, or you've got some other version of a trigger, I want you to stop and try and recognize that you're clearly out of balance. And that's okay. That doesn't mean you have to stay out of balance. It means we just have to recognize the fear and we have to get back on track. But let's let's talk about the fear and the balance for a second, right? So we're out of balance. We recognize we're out of balance. We're recognizing that I'm obsessive compulsively hanging on to something that I have no control over. My ego is just desperate from some, for some level of control. Clearly that is coming from a place of fear. So the fear is what? The fear is, I'm afraid I'll never make this money again. I'm afraid I'll never get an easy job. I'm afraid that my next job is going to be really, really hard and suck. I'm afraid that, I don't know, um, 
I'm trying to think of something that's not a job related topic. I, I'm afraid that I'll never be able to maintain this body. I'm afraid I'm never going to be able to work out this hard again. I'm afraid that the, the unknowns are too hard for me to handle. So that's what all of the underlying fear is, right? I'm afraid that the unknown is too hard for me to handle. Therefore, the one thing that I do know, even though it's an area I know I have no control over, I'm going to cling. I'm going to be the golem. I'm going to like covet the, you know, the, the ring because it's the one thing I do know. So because I do know it, therefore I can obsess about it versus the things that I don't know because I don't know. And they scare me so much because I don't trust that I can handle it. I don't trust that I can survive it. I don't trust that I can adapt to it. I don't trust that I could maybe even thrive better than I'm aware of with it. Because I don't trust any of that, I'm going to obsess about something I do trust and I do can, I can control. I trust that I'm going to show up every day and go to my day job. I trust that I'm going to go ahead and, I don't know, do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to trust that I'm going to do this, this, and this, right? So because I know and I trust that, therefore I can obsess about that. Even though, again, I go back to I have no control over it to begin with. And... Part of being out of the balance, part of recognizing that the fear is triggered by a lack of control and a lack of trust is because good, bad, or indifferent, we have gotten off the beaten path. So one of the episodes I've been referencing a lot, um, I have a couple of them. It's, uh, there's going to be probably three episodes in the show notes, but the All Roads Lead To episode is a really, really good one that I want you to continue to go back to the reason, and especially use the journal prompts, right? So the journal prompts in the All Roads Leads to episode is fantastic. Again, they're over at margaretstevens.co slash shop if you want to go and grab them, or you can click on the link in the show notes and it'll, you know, I'll make sure that the All Roads Lead to uh, episode is there and then you can click on that. You can click on the show notes and you can click on the journal prompts, right? But the reason why I keep going back to looking at our future selves, looking at All Roads Leads to is because there's just so much that goes on. You've got your ego trying to be a little gremlin in the background. You've got things that you can't control. You've got outside influences that are influencing the things you can't even control. So like, I'm not even, you know, trying to go deep into like, like not necessarily just the stock market, but you've got the stock market. You've got a, a possible recession, uh, depending on where you live, that might be happening. You've got um, housing shortages. You've got interest rates that are going up. You have all of these things that we can't control, right? And it's so incredibly easy to just slip and take our eye off the ball. I was using this example earlier with Ben today um, because Ben is very good and it's, I'm kind of envious about it, but Ben is very good at juggling like 20 freaking things at one time. Like he can keep 20 interests going at one given time. And at least from the outside, it does again, and I'm married to him for like 15 years now, but like, it doesn't feel like he's, uh, dropping the ball on anything per se. Right. Me, I don't function like that. My brain is not wired like that in any capacity. So I have to continuously remind myself. I have to continuously baby myself and say, Hey, no, these are your baby bumpers. Why are you doing this? All of these roads, AKA the all roads leads to all of these roads are leading to this end goal, this specific task. It is okay to ignore everything else. And like I said, when, when I feel that I am not staying on my all roads lead to path, I feel like that's where my ego starts to get out of control. I guess out of check and then my whole balance is just completely out of balance to the point where it's not even funny. It's like, oh, okay, clearly you need a moment to process this. And when I say process this, that means for me, I cry. Like, I'm not a, 
I used to see crying as a weakness. And I know that that sounds horrible, but I was so in my younger years obsessed with projecting this, this uh, pillar of strength that no one would ever question what was going on in our personal lives, especially when Ben had his health issues and, you know, we, we had some really, really scary moments. I, again, I overcorrected and I clung to where I have no control in this area of my life. So I'm going to over control on this other area of my life. So for me, I thought that crying, especially in a uh, work capacity or official capacity or professional capacity, I thought crying was like the hell of weakness of everything. I was like, oh my God, you are so weak. You can't put your emotions aside. You can't handle it. And so I've learned that over time, though, that it was probably not a healthy attitude. And ironically, now, all I do, if I really have something that's intense and I need to process it, and obviously it's upsetting or I have to release something or I have to release my ego and kind of put my ego back in check, I cry. I will sit there and I, I, I don't cute cry. I like Kim Kardashian ugly cry, like snots coming down my mouth or my mouth, ew, my nose. Um my nose gets all stuffy. My throat's kind of trashed afterwards. I feel emotionally spent. You see me like holding my heart and holding like basically my boob. And I'm like, Oh my God, my emotions are just wrung dry. You know, like I, I, like if I'm crying, like I'm crying and getting it out of my body and I'm getting it out of my system. And before that used to freak me out. But now that I know that it's just the way that I process things, I'm like, okay, Crying is not a weakness. Crying is the fastest way for me to get from point A to point B. And I really want to be at point B. So let's just get, kind of you know move through this and process it versus shoving it in a corner versus ignoring it versus acknowledging that I'm out of balance, but not taking the time to put myself back into balance. And I say all of this with this air of fastness, right? Like I, I'm clicking through things. There used to be a time and there still are times where if I'm processing something and I have to like kind of cry it out or, or get it out of my body that depending on how fast I can process it, sometimes I can process it in like two hours, three hours, right? Sometimes it'll take me a whole damn night. Like, I, and I'm not talking like, you know, two, two, three, four, five hours. I'm talking like six, eight, ten hours. Like there's sometimes where I just, I, I get so emotionally exhausted because I'm just trying to process what's going on that I will like by 8.30 have eaten, you know, and started to take my shower. And then by nine o'clock, I've taken the puppies out and I'm putting my jam jams on and I am crawling into bed because I am just emotionally done. So sometimes it's um, the matter of like, I got to cry it out. Sometimes I got to sleep it out, but I've recognized, again, I'm using little things as a trigger to go ahead and recognize that I am out of balance, that my ego is, it is latched onto something that is not healthy. And I, and I go back to all of these things are not healthy. So obviously there's going to be books I recommend and I've already have it in the, the books I love, which again is over at the shop site. So you can just click on shop. Um, and then it'll take you to the books I love. So you can just click on that. But Stuart Wilde, uh, his books are good. His books are deep. His books are tough. Um, you can't like half-ass read his books because like they, you're like, what, wait, what do I just read? And he talks a lot about the ego and detaching the ego. Um, so that you can go ahead and not be so affected by everything. So uh, one of the examples I heard about an ego. So let's say this is the first time you've heard about the ego, even though I've talked about the ego in the past, but let's say like you're really not getting the ego thing, right? So I've heard the ego talked about in a manner that 
If you have a good, healthy, imbalanced ego, then it would be a thermostat. You would be, uh, you'd have a four degree swing, but for the most part, you're pretty balanced, you're pretty even keel. Now, if you have a unhealthy, out of balance ego, AKA you're attached to things you can't control, AKA you refuse to process the things that you need to so that you can go ahead and move on in a healthy manner and you can focus back where you should be focusing. If you have a very unhealthy ego, your swings, your mood swings, your emotion swings are going to be like a, like a damn, like heart that's trying to crash. You're going to have this crazy high peak and this crazy low valley, then the crazy high peak and this crazy low valley. So Stuart Wilde has always been a very, very good, um, author when it comes to talking about the ego. And there's, I think I've got either one or two books in the shop section that talk about like the ego and stuff like that. So if you really want to dive in deep, um, and kind of help put yourself in back into an ego appropriate manner, I would go and look at the books. Um, or obviously you can use a journal prompt because maybe you want to only target one specific area. So that's the thing, right? Your ego, think of your ego when it's out of balance as a canary in the coal mine. It is a way for you to recognize that, hey, this area is out of, and I keep using the word balance, but right, it could be this area is out of sync. This area doesn't feel good anymore. This area is causing me a lot of heartache. This area is causing me a lot of unnecessary stress. And, and, and I use all of these words to, for you to, to, for you to pay attention. It's not that you're never going to have stress because you're human having a human existence, as everyone likes to say right now, like you're clearly going to go through some stressful things, but it's a matter of, are you having the stress reaction appropriate to the level of what the thing is? So if it is a job, are you having the stress reaction that is appropriate to the job? Because like at the end of the day, jobs are just jobs. And I, and I know that that's very hard. Um, and it sounds like a very white girl and I'm not white, but like a white girl privilege thing to say, I don't mean it from that point of view. I mean it from the fact that your things are always going to change. So how do we get ourselves okay with things that are going to constantly change? Because majority of the time things are changing and on top of it, we have no control. So how do we get back to this homeostasis, healthy, balanced manner that we can just handle and process, sometimes cry, sometimes sleep, whatever is thrown at us. And if that means you need to cry it out, sleep it out, go work it out, you know, dance it out, clean it out. I don't care how you, how you get it out, you know, tub bath it out. I don't care. You know, I, I, I really don't care how you get it out of your system, but I just want you to start recognizing that no matter what, no, no matter what, and I, and I learned that deeply through the health crises we went through with Ben, that there is just so many things we can't control. There's so many things. We can do all the inputs. We can do our best. We can bring passion. We can bring love. We can bring joy to things. But there's so many things we can't control. And when your ego gets out of balance, when your ego gets out of sync, and you start fear clutching like the golem to things that we can't control it can get messy and it can get unhealthy so who cares about the messiness right let's go back to the messiness for a second who cares that it's messy for other people who cares that it might be in out of proportion to what the task is it might be out of proportion to the job it might be out proportion to the the, the goal or the idea or the dream i go back to you know i care about that but i don't I care about how it's physically and emotionally affecting you because if you stay out of balance for long enough, you can legitimately slip into a depression. It's, it's not unheard of. It's not unheard of to 
you know, almost not psych yourself because I'm not trying to take depression away from anyone. And, and like, obviously depression is different from other, for everyone, but like you can continue to build such a bad habit over and over and over and over and over again that you end up legitimately being depressed or you end up just very discontent with your life and it, and it can be very messy. And this is always going back to when your ego is out of control, when your ego is attached to things that it should not be attached to. So let's go back to what it should it be attached to, right? So I think it is healthy to attach your ego to things that are positive, things that are good, things that are, are within your control, things that are a healthy, a healthy uh, addiction, let's call it, right? So I attach my ego to my babies. Uh, and not in like, oh, I have the best Mastiffs ever. Their coats are all perfect and fluffy and yada, yada, yada. And I feed them a probiotic like every day. No, like, yes, they are awesome. Yes, they are the most perfect Mastiffs ever. Yes, I feed them probiotics. But like, I don't attach my ego to how they look or how they act. Act. I attach my ego to how much I love them. I deeply love my fur babies to like, the ends of the earth and beyond. I would do crazy un unimaginable things for my fur babies. So I'm not attaching my, my ego to something that's wrong or demon scratching his, his, his arm in the background. <laughs> Give me Bubba. Leave it. Or, you know, I'm not attaching my ego to, to things I can't control. I'm attaching my ego to not even this audio episode, apparently, because he's just shaking his little, his little butt in the background. I'm attaching my ego to love. I'm attaching my ego to, to joy. I'm attaching my ego to showing appreciation. I'm attaching my ego to not my marriage per se, but my love for my husband. And it, that to me is a more healthier thing than attaching my ego to a job, attaching my ego to fear, attaching my ego to um, how people can influence me, attaching my, my ego to things. Again, I go back to, I cannot control. I can control how much I love. I can control how deeply I love. Um, love has always been a very deep core desire feeling for me. That is one of the most important things that I will ever feel in my life. So it's okay to go ahead and attach my things to love. It's not okay when I'm attaching my things to an inanimate object that I have no control and can't hug me back because I'm sorry. A Mastiff hug is like the best hug in the entire world. <laughs> but do, do you hear the difference? And I know I'm making light about it, you know, because we're starting to get closer to the end of the episode. But I want you to hear the difference. Having our ego in a healthy, balanced manner attached to things that are healthy is a huge difference. And it's not the golem when it is attached to something healthy versus when it's not attached to something healthy and it is attached to something we can't control. So therefore it's fear. So the fear makes it the gremlin, the fear makes it the hobbit trying, not the hobbit, the, the golem or whatever he was trying to hold on to the ring. You know, the ego attached to something healthy is like this most beautiful little, I don't know, let's call it a, a pixie fairy or whatever it is. You know, that is just this, this awesome, healthy representation. So for me, I'm thinking in my head, right? Like unhealthy ego is the golem. The healthy ego is like Glenda, the good witch. She comes in, she looks around, she has her, you know, you know, me in a magic wand. I am a, a 
dead sucker for an, a, a magic wand. She comes in going to the Good Witch style. She has her magic wand. She has her powder blue, you know, puffy, puffy dress from like the, the 80s or whatever it was when that got recorded. Um, she has her crown on. She's radiating light. She's radiating love. She's radiating passion. She's radiating joy. And she looks at certain areas of your life and she just, bink. She hits it with her wand and it has this extra sparkle. It has this extra pizzazz, but it's all coming from a place of lightness, love, you know, uh, joy, um, passion in a healthy manner. That is what we would like our egos to be, to be right? Not the golem that's, you know, trying to covet this ring that you never should be coveting the ring to begin with. So when we're, we're talking about our ego and we're trying to, to do that, you know, it's one of those things that this takes time, you know, there, and I've said it, but like, there's times in my twenties that when I had to process something and my, you know, I'm trying to detach my ego from something so unhealthy. It's not even funny. Like it always, for me, it was always a job, right? It was always, it was always a job. That's always been my, my easiest, unhealthiest habit, um, was how much I tie myself to the job. So instead of, and I'll give you an example. So instead of, seeing the job as the job. I saw it as my job. It was my, like, especially when I was a pharmacist, it was, it was my clients. It was my numbers. It was my results. It was my, this, my, that. And again, not from Glenda, the good witch perspective. It was from the golden perspective of this is mine. No one can take it from me and yada, yada, yada. So when I used to try and get rid of or get out of that bad habit from the golem to Glenda, um, I, in my twenties, especially, it would take me a while, like sometimes to process something, because again, I'm so new at trying to think of this mindset. It would take me like a full on week and I would be just a random hot mess for a week. Sometimes I would cry. Sometimes I would walk. Sometimes I would go running at night. Sometimes I would just do all these things to try and get it out of my system. And it would take me a while. And then again, just like everything else, just like the compound effect is for everything in our lives, the more you do it, the better you become. So because over time I have been more aware and more aware and more conscious. And then when I get completely unconscious about something, thank God I have a very good spouse that is willing to, to check me before I wreck me. Um, but you know, I, I've been able to go and try and process these things that are making me the golem so that I can get back to being Glenda because I don't want to be the golem. You know, your ego doesn't want to be the golem. The whole point of the ego is to protect you. But I go back to, if we are not focusing on the things that are important, if we're not focusing on the things that matter, if we're not focusing on the things that we have control over, then therefore we're going to go back to being the golem and, and you're going to slip like I want to put it out there. You are going to slip and it is okay. Go back, listen to this episode again, use the tools, get the journal prompts, maybe buy another Stuart Wild book that I have in the, the shop section because I'm going to continue to add more and more as I read them. Maybe go look and read the compound effects so that you can reiterate to yourself how many times that, oh, you know, every time I have to relearn something or every time I have to redo this, this skill, it's not a bad thing. It's just making it so that I have a stronger muscle. So it, it's the same principle of like working out, right? We, we, we have this mindset, this collective mindset that redoing or relearning the same thing over and over and over again is bad. 
I don't necessarily think it's bad. I think as long as we are growing, even if we have the same related theme, but we're continuously growing, I don't think that that's bad. I think what's bad is if we're starting from scratch over and over again. So it's just like working out. If you work out and you start out with a, you know, a free weight, or maybe not even a weight, you're starting out with just hand movements. And then from there, you go to a one pound weight, then a five pound weight, then a 10 pound weight, then a 15 pound weight, then a whatever, to whatever, to whatever, right? You keep building. No one's going to say, oh, that is horrible. That is wrong of you. That you keep going back and rebuilding the same muscles. Instead, you get rewarded for rebuilding those muscles. So the same thing with like detaching your ego, focusing on the things we can control, getting back into sync, having someone check you before you wreck you. All of those things are muscles. So what can, you know, obviously this episode can feel kind of heavy, but it's not meant to be discouraging heavy. It's meant to Let's get you back on track. Let's get you back to focusing what you need to be focusing on and just recognize that you're building a muscle and it is okay. Whatever, whatever it is, whether it is a job, whether it is uh, your family life, whether it is health concerns, it is okay to relearn this lesson. It is okay to cry it out. It is okay to sleep it off. It is okay to work it out. It's okay to tub it out. It is okay to process this as long as we continue to move forward. As long as we know that to get back to being Glenda, Glenda is getting us back on the path so we can get home, so we can wake up and be Dorothy. And I know I have given you like five different analogies in this episode, but you've got, you know, the whole point is to get back home, to be Dorothy, to wake up in bed and realize, hey, I'm back where I belong. That's the whole point of all roads. So if you need to go back and dive into all roads leads to, if you need more emotional ego support, dive into Stuart Wilde. If you need to, again, uh, you know, constantly remind yourself that building habits takes time and it's okay. Go, uh, dig into the book, the compound effect. Again, all of these links are in the show notes or they're over at the shop, uh, slash shop. So I'm making it easy for you to learn these things, but it's okay. You can go from Golan to Glenda. That's fine. We all do it. It's it's a healthy process. Just don't become the unhealthy person that refuses to let go of being the golem. That that that's what we're gonna part with. Focus on Glenda, not the golem, and recognize that every step that you take, every time that you process something, every time you unfortunately have to relearn something, it's okay. You're just making that muscle stronger. And I, I know that there are a lot of things right now that we can't control. I know that there's a lot of things that are upsetting or frustrating or just, you know, all of the ings. They're frustrating. They're infuriating. They're uh, upsetting. They're heartbreaking. They're trying. All of the ings. And I know that. And I know that there's probably things I'm not even thinking of that are going on in your life. I, I, I deeply get that. And since I can't go and hug every single one of you, just think of this as like an ear hug. I know that there's things we can't control. I know that there's things that it's just so much easier to slip into golem road and golem goals and golem vibes, but let's, let's turn it back around and become Glenda vibes. Um, you are strong enough. You can handle this. You can handle whatever comes your way and you will be okay. Things might get hard. Things might get rough. Things might get ugly, but you will be okay. Just keep trucking. All right. Love you guys. Thank you for listening. Again, if you need any of the links, click on the show notes or margaretstevens.co slash shop, and I will talk to you later. Bye. 
Have a burning question for me? Want that link I was talking about? Get access to all the resources and links that were mentioned in this episode and others over at margaretstevens.co. And if you haven't, don't forget to sign up for my VIP list where I share special bonuses, pre-launch coupon codes, and advice I don't share anywhere else. Thanks for listening.